size frocks instead of turning them into frogs. I want a little girl who I can do cooking with and make cakes that taste like chocolate instead of bat's blood. But, sweetheart, we're wizards and witches, said Nolan. Turning things into frogs and blood is what we do. Our families have done it since the dawn of time. I know, and I adore frogs and blood, said Mordonna. And I love our six wonderfully talented evil children who are as vile as your wildest dreams. I just want one pretty little girl to do ordinary mummy and daughter things with. But you grow death cap mushrooms with the twins, and you sharpen the cat's teeth with valor. Yes, yes, I know, Mordonna replied, and I love all those things. But what about knitting and painting pictures of flowers? What's knitting? said Nolan. But Mordonna had made up her mind. She was going to have one more child, and that child would be a normal, ordinary girl with no magical powers. And instead of being made in a laboratory using an ancient recipe book, a very big turbocharged wand, and a set of shiny Jamie Oliver saucepans, like some of the other children had been, this new child would be made the same way as you and I were. Note, well, I was. I can't say how you were made. You could have been knitted, for all I know. When Betty was born, she looked just like the pretty little girl Mordonna had dreamt of. Of course, being a wizard's child, she was very advanced for her age, and by the time she was three, she was helping her mum make souffles and had knitted a cardigan for her granny, Queen Scratchrot. The Queen, with several other friends and relations, is buried in the back garden and feels the cold on winter nights because most of her skin has rotted away. But no matter how normal she looks, Betty still has magic inside her. It's just little things most people wouldn't notice, like when she reaches for a book way above her head and suddenly the book is there on the table. Or when a glass floats across the kitchen, fills itself up at the tap, the water turning into cordial with two ice cubes and a straw, and then floats back into Betty's left hand. Here lies Chapter 2. Where the floods live is a bit like them. From a distance, it looks ordinary, but up close, it isn't. They don't live in a big, dark, menacing castle in Transylvania waters, like all their other relations. They live in a normal country, in a normal city, in an ordinary street, in a house with a front garden and a back garden. Except the floods house is kind of different. Note. My editor asked me to name the town where the floods live, but I won't, because you might feel safe and secure knowing they don't live near you, and we wouldn't want that, would we? And if you do live in their town, you might start bothering them and get yourself turned into a toad, and then your parents might sue me, unless being a toad was an improvement on what you are now. It isn't different because the hedge tries to reach out and touch you when you walk by, and it isn't because the garden is so overgrown you can't see the house. It isn't because there are three black clouds always hovering over it, even on a bright sunny day, or that huge black vampire bats hang in every tree. And it certainly isn't because the floods are nasty to everyone. They aren't. If people weren't too scared to ask, the floods would happily lend them their lawnmower, if they had one, or give them a cup of sugar. When the floods bought the house, it was the same as all the others in the street. It had a neat lawn at the front and back with beds of pretty flowers. The front door was red and the windows had bright white awnings and shiny clean glass. 
The only thing the floods didn't change was the front door. A lovely shade of fresh blood, Mordonna had said, but the rest will have to go. They painted the window awnings black and added cobwebs and dead flies. They pulled up all the awful flowers and planted thistles and stinging nettles and made it quite clear to the lawn that if it didn't stop growing, it was concrete time. They buried their various dead and semi-dead friends and relations in the back garden and trained the front gate to keep out unwanted visitors. People usually cross the road rather than walk by the gate. The mailman puts the letters in the box with a long pair of barbecue tongs ever since the day the mailbox ate his watch. Underneath the house, the floods created a vast maze of cellars and tunnels that reach out in all directions for hundreds of metres. The lowest level is so deep underground you can feel the heat from the centre of the earth and actually fry an egg on the floor. And around the edge of the garden they plant...